got another week coming at you. We got episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. As usual, we have ourselves the awesome Jade. And then this week, our special guest this week is, once again, come, um, coming in, Jamal. Thanks for coming. Thanks for helping out today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, that's great. So usually uh, every week with these episodes, Jamal, I always ask, how many times did you watch the documentary? So starting off, how many times did you watch it? Just once? So as of right now, I've watched the documentary at least four times. At least. Whoa. Okay, so he's got he's got his okay, I'm ready for some 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 takes from Jamal right now then. I'm ready for this then. Uh Jade, how many times did you get this one in? Twice again. I finished my second watching about ten minutes ago. Uh, okay. So okay, so everything everything's fresh in the head right now too. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so we're gonna go right into it. So one of the first things they talk about on this episode is the death of Michael Jordan's dad. So, Jay, do you think Michael Jordan's dad's death had to deal, was one of the biggest deal breakers for that first retirement? Yeah, I think so. I mean, losing a parent that you're close to, fortunately for me, that's not something that I've had to deal with to this Mm -hmm. point in my life. But... You can only imagine it must have been devastating. Like, his dad was there with him all the time. So, yeah, it makes sense that that would be one of one of a combination of things that would just make it too much for him at that point. Okay. And so, he going around, he's telling everyone that he's going to get, he's going to uh, retire. Um as a coach for Phil Jackson, Jamal, how would you react to hear that your best player, who is in your pri- who is in their prime, who you just started a three beat with, how do you react to that? I mean, the first the first thing that you would think you're just in plain shock because you think this would be the last thing that would happen because you're just coming off a three peat. Michael Jordan is still at basically at the height of his powers, but at the same time, not only Phil Jackson, but the rest of the players, they could all see that Michael was exhausted, not only physically, but you could see it mentally in his eyes. He was just he was just not there anymore. And so I think that Phil Jackson, knowing what uh, knowing what he know what he knows now that he knew that Michael, there was a good chance that he was going to hang it up. Now, um, I also would say that Phil Jackson would probably would probably be the best suited for this position because he knows his players, their personalities, and their t- their their tendencies in and out. So he would be the best person to be able to handle that situation. Yeah, I think Phil Jackson. One of the things that makes Phil Jackson so great, yes, dealing with like the triangle, but he was also one of the best when it came to managing personalities and personalities from all over the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, just having right. Dennis Rodman alone, just saying, if you coach Dennis Rodman, then you can say, OK, yeah, I got a taste of what everything is. Uh, <laughs> well, then. So, Jade, how do you think as a teammate you respond to that? Like if you're Scottie Pippen hearing, oh, this guy's retiring now, it's my time. Like, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I, I feel like if, if it had been me, there would definitely have been. You feel for him, of course, but I think it would have been hard to ignore the idea that, hey, we're going to get some breathing space. 
We're going to not be berated in every practice. We're not like there had to be a sense of relief as much as you feel for what he's going through as just a human being. There had to be a sense of we're going to we're going to be able to have fun playing basketball now. Do you then think they were a happier team overall than when they were joined? I can't see how they couldn't have been happier. Like, I don't think there's any way that, I don't think it's possible that they weren't happier. Because, um, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking, yeah, you're not being yelled at. You're not saying being told that you're garbage and you need to step up your game and stuff constantly. Yeah. So then, Jamal, would you say that when it came to just playing as a team, do you think these Bulls teams with the retired Jordan play better as a team? Because you can't just rely on him, on Jordan, to pick up everything. They were still successful teams. So do you think when it came to team ball, they got better? Somewhat. And I say that because, um, as we as you all know, basketball is a team sport. You got to get everybody else involved for the most part. So as you saw, especially during that 93-94 season, yes, Pippen was the lead guy, but you saw everybody else as a matter of fact, Horace Grant and B.J. Armstrong, two main points for their first three titles, all their numbers went up. Uh, of course, they went up every single year as the year as they went on. But '94 was their career years for for the Bulls during those t- for the for that tenure. So personally, I believe they were better team wise. But with Michael departing, now you lose that go to guy down the stretch, and the Bulls, even though Kukoc made those three. Uh, game winners throughout that 94 season, the Bulls were missing that go-to guy down the stretch. And you saw during that Knicks series that it was going to come back to bite them. Yep. Uh, then I got to ask both of you, were you guys um, alive or were you aware of the retirement of Jordan at the time, Jade? I don't think so at the time. Because okay. what, what year was it, 94. It will. It was after the '93 finals. After so the '93 finals. So I was eight. You were eight. So you don't really remember so Michael like, Jordan. I have player. memories of watching basketball, but that was as far as it went. Whatever the game was on TV at the time that my dad was watching, I oh, wasn't okay, aware gotcha. of all the other business and retiring and all that stuff oh. at the time. Um, Jamal, were you? around and if so um do you remember the retirement so to be truthful i was i was just barely one year old Me when that whenever <laughs> when that retirement went down but i will say from watching um all the other other documentaries before this one and just seeing everything that went down during that time it kind of gives it gave you a sense that jordan was he he was ready to hang it up for that for that time now, whether he came back, that's up to anybody else's um, jurisdiction. But, yeah, it was it was a really interesting time to be a basketball player at that time. Just because I was thinking about just the magnitude that it went through, how it wasn't just even going through like ESPN or something like that. Like this was making the world news on ABC and stuff of him retiring. Oh, yeah. So Everywhere. was this move kind of the full solidification, if that's a word, of – Jordan being bigger than basketball, like bigger than the world, Jade? I mean, 
Yeah, I guess so. I have a hard time with questions like that because I make it a point to never think of people in that way, kind of period. So it's a departure in my personal thought processes to kind of look at it that way. But yeah, I guess for people at the time, you know, it would be like if LeBron had retired after Miami. And then went to play in the Canadian Football League because that's yeah. like the Canadian Football League. Then he then we all know goes and plays baseball for Birmingham Barons through the White Sox. Okay, Jamal. So before mm-hmm. like Jordan had his actual somewhat decent baseball minor league career. Um, do you think the White Sox originally thought that he was actually going to be somewhat valuable? Or is this more of a PR stunt? Well, it definitely would have put seats. Uh, it w- definitely would have put people in the seats. That's for one. But in my honest opinion, I think Jordan would have made the big league squad had he stayed with it. I don't see there was a reason why. Not just because of his name or his likeness, but because he had the talent and the drive to do so. And that, I think, would have fed off his other teammates. So that's why I believe he would have made the White Sox had he stayed with it. Do you think, Jade, he would have made baseball? I mean, based on what the professionals were saying, I kind of have to defer to them because baseball is not really my thing. The thing that stood out to me the most was that he was a lot better than I remember him having been. Not that I was paying attention at the time, but the narrative was that he was terrible. Well, and then segueing to that, that idea of him not actually being that great was because of that SI cover about him him being bashed about baseball. Uh, yeah. He got real angry over that. Jade, do you think he was overreacting to it, or did he have some valid... I think arguments? Michael Jordan overreacted to everything <laughs> negative. Like, That's what my, I was thinking. <laughs> my overall feeling is that if you are going to be willing to accept the accolades at that level of best ever anything you have to expect that the criticism is going to come at just as high a level i just think it's funny that it's like hey man you don't have to be good at everything so it's okay if you're bad at baseball like if you're like you can take you can take someone saying you're not good the only thing i can see with jordan is baseball was a dream and then someone said You're horrible at your dream. Like, I can see that a little bit. Being like, well, ouch. (laughs) I mean, granted, Jordan winning everything, so get over yourself. But at the same time, you're like, you're you're terrible at your dream, by the way. Like, Like, I just think if you're going to (laughs) be... Who's that? You good now? Yeah, I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, I'm getting an echo. I think since you took your headphones off. Yeah. I'll get an echo? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's better. Um, yeah, that's there better. Um, I was just going to say, like, I just think if, like, the one thing you never see Michael Jordan say is... I'm still just a person kind of thing. Like there's zero humility in Michael Jordan. And you might argue that he came by it honestly with all the fanfare and blah, 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 and this and that. I get that. But 
I just think that if he had a more balanced view of himself, the criticism side of things would not have hit him as hard as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he just, I just feel like his, his self-awareness was completely unreasonable in terms of, I only ever do things right. Even when I'm an asshole, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is a prodigal prodigy asshole. Um, but <laughs> Jamal, like say you were the Baron's best player. What kind of feeling okay. do you have being like, I'm better than Michael Jordan at something? Like, I'm just some semi-pro baseball player, and here comes the greatest athlete, and then it's like, oh, I'm actually better than you? How would you be with that, rea- like, as that player? Well, you could take this one or two ways. One, you can let it go to your head, and he can show you up. Or you can do this. You allow MJ to come in. Maybe try to mentor you a little bit about maybe not so much of playing the game of baseball, but as far as the drive to win, the preparation it takes, all that, all those other things, that can I think um, better translate as far as you being the best minor league player on the team. Now, once again, that you that can be taken either way. Not all not all um, players will be able to accept that or even want to embrace that idea. Sometimes it's just the way it is because there all there's always that. One guy who thinks they're the alpha dog. It's all it's all around sports, and it's just no getting around it. Yep. And I think there also might have been a feeling of those minor league players, they've probably been playing baseball since they were four or five years old, t-ball or however they started, right? And to, be, to have put in all that work to get where they are, and then this guy just comes in who's 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 a basketball player like I I feel like some players might have felt a little bit insulted by the idea that you know I've put in all this work and we're just going to bring this guy in well and then how he got to that team which was oh the reason why you're on this team in particular and not lower is because we need a stadium that can hold all the media right so that's Mm -hmm. kind of like just getting you're on the team because of the people not because yeah. of you necessarily, but so and then Jay would was baseball more of a therapeutic thing for him, or was he like this something real serious about it? Um, I think when it comes to competition, Michael Jordan was serious. Period. Um, I think it True. was also pretty cathartic and therapeutic for him, but I, I I don't think it was one or the other. I think it was both. Okay. All right. Just because I was thinking how, like, he seemed to be relaxed when playing baseball. Mm-hmm. And that's well, there's not something... no expectations anymore, right? Like, he had built himself into this person with all these expectations in basketball. It probably worked in his benefit that people thought he was going to be bad at baseball. Yeah. And he was one of the guys. He was one of the guys. Yeah. True. That's real true with it. Um, so then comes back to basketball. That he doesn't have Horace Grant. And that, like, Horace Grant was saying that they needed a rebounder and defender, and that's what they lost with him. Mm-hmm. If they would have had Horace Grant, Jamal, would they have won that first year back with Jordan? Would we see seven titles instead of six? Yes, because people undersell Horace Grant and the, wor- and the, and the, and the blue-collar work that he does. Because people, people don't understand 
Like, 93 and 94, Horace Grant, like, when you think offensive rebounds, you think him and you think Charles Oakley. Those were normally the top two you would see as far as offensive rebounding goes. And people always underestimated how good of a defender Horace Grant was. Second team, all all defense for 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 those mid part of the 90s. So, yes, I would... I could almost guarantee the Bulls would have won that first title with Jordan back had they kept Horace Grant. Do you agree with that, Jade? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing that made the difference was Dennis Rodman coming in the next year, right? That yes. It, he, he, it was exactly the space that Horace Grant left open that Dennis Rodman filled. True. That's because that's what I always think after watching it. I was just like, when you think of the size they had, like, yeah, they had size, but it's, real amateur talent with it like no knock on these guys but when you think of it like it goes michael jordan scotty and then it dropped off far like hard with it because they also didn't have bj armstrong either so and i think they just got ron harper but still like that's not gonna but scare people yeah exactly um so with Jordan leaving, and I'm, I'm curious with this answer with you, Jade, was this the beginning of Scotty being more of a diva? Because one thing I've realized now at this documentary is, man, the middle of his career and stuff, he was a diva. And I never I knew thought, that. I thought he was a diva all the way back from the contract whining back in, what was that, episode two? But that was, yeah. but that was from, that was in 98 he was complaining about that. Oh, right. I forgot the, cr- yeah. the chronological Yeah, because he signed that now. contract in 91. <laughs> well, okay. So, okay. Now that we've got that in order, yes, I do. Because he couldn't be when Jordan was there. Yep. I don't think he could have been a diva that way when Jordan was there. Like, it, that, that just was not going to happen. Because that sitting out, because he wasn't getting the last yeah. shot. Like That I, was a bitch move. I'm like... That, I, that I, was heard, I had never, like, I had heard that story, but I guess I just totally blocked it out because that just doesn't, when I think of Scottie Pippen, I don't mm-hmm. think that. But now I'm hearing all this stuff. I don't really like Scottie Pippen anymore. Um, Jamal, do you think that, like, do you agree with this, like, Scottie becoming a diva thing? Or do you think it's just he deserved more respect and he was right with it? So I'm going to go both ways. So as far as him as a diva, sure, you could probably paint him as such because, come on, normally a superstar of that caliber, and especially because we, I never knew Scottie Pippen to be, really be like a selfish person, especially with his play on the court. I never saw him that way. But then to watch that, that sequence against the Knicks 94, to literally see him sit that game out, yes, they won the game, but to have that carry over – I think that really left the black mark on his career. Whether people talk about it as often as they do or not remains to be seen. But but then on the other side, I think Scottie Pippen may be one of the top two, maybe three of un- unselfish players in the game that we have because he did so much. Like he did, he did literally everything. You know, you know he could score, he could rebound well, and he ran that triangle offense when, when Jordan wasn't there. And let's not forget. He could guard one through one through four, one through five on on the court. It did not matter. He could do it all. And so I think sometimes Pippen he gets a bad rep sometimes, but 
it comes with the territory and with the decisions you make. So yeah, that's what I was going to say too. I like, there are certain decisions you make that no matter what else you do in your career are going to follow you. Right. KD's got joining the Warriors. It doesn't matter what else he does. That's always going to affect his legacy. And I think yes. with Scottie Pippen that that sitting out that last play because he wasn't going to have the ball in his hands. Like that is an unacceptable stance to take in a team sport. It just is, especially mm-hmm. if you consider yourself the leader. So again, like, yeah, he's got all that other stuff, but there are certain things that you can't do and think that you're going to be able to overshadow them with, with, with good things. And that's, to me, that's one of those things. Well, And then going into this leadership idea. So Jordan's leadership was, I do it too, so you can at least work for it too. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was setting those standards for like the working, was he reasonable with it, with no. what the players' capabilities were? No. Or was he more just looking <laughs> for the work, Jade? I think he, <laughs> so I was, I was thinking about this when I was watching it back again just a little bit ago. And the the kind of the way that I'm summing up Michael Jordan is that if you looked up toxic masculinity in the dictionary, his picture should be right there. Oh my god! Agreed. Yes, <laughs> because I'm 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 a natural born leader. I've been a leader since grade school projects, and I know that leadership can be done without being an asshole. I know that. You don't have to, I, I have very high expectations. I have extremely high expectations of myself. I have high expectations of people on the teams that I've run, on the projects that I do, but I'm still pretty well liked in general and I can still run a tight ship. So there's no theory under which you could convince me that his approach was the only way he could have got it done. And I think that there's evidence of that, the fact that they did do so well the year he was gone, right? Day with his talent could have gone to the finals that year. They didn't need his attitude. They didn't need his bullying. Just his talent would have got them to the finals that the year that he wasn't there. So I understand the idea of never asking people you're leading to do things that you're not willing to do, but the attitude and the anger and the bullying is a step beyond that, that I don't think was necessary. Do you uh, um, agree with her with that, uh, Jamal? So I will agree and disagree. I'll agree in this sense that no, it, it, to me, it does not take bullying or any of that other, of the other stuff to get to push people and then be able to get to the goal that you want. Because I look at, uh, I'll give you an example, Tim Duncan. I, I, w- I would say Tim Duncan is a very good leader, but he doesn't have to punch. He doesn't have to shout out curse words. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. What he does, he leads by example. And you, you, have, you have other um, players, not just basketball, but other sports in general, who do the same thing. So, no, I think Jordan, his methods – while it did get to the end result, I think some. I think he did tarnish himself a little bit because of that. Now I will disagree in this point in that sometimes uh, other players they need a kick. They need a kick in the ass to get going because sometimes they have all this ability but not the drive. Jordan had both, and when you have those things, when you have the best player, 
who is working the hardest more than anybody else, everybody else needs to fall in line. And if you don't, you don't deserve to be here and you don't deserve all the other success. So it's it's a two-way street to look at it, from my view. Uh, very diplomatic, man. You'd be a good politician, Jamal. Um. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, no politician here. <laughs> um, one player that he, so Jordan warmed, actually, like, kind of warmed up to, Scott Burrell. He being the yes. new chosen one. Jamal, how do you feel as that player being like, and openly knowing, oh, I'm the player that Michael Jordan is mentoring? How do you how do you respond to that? Well, there's a there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation that comes with it because you know Jordan around the league is is the guy. He's the alpha dog. So if he's tagging you to be the next guy up. Like you have to stay prepared, you have to stay ready, and you have to have a certain mentality about yourself. Now, looking at that, looking at that piece and at Scott Burrell, something told me that he was probably not the the first guy you would think of. But him and Jordan's interactions were very interesting from start to finish, and I'm pretty sure there'll be more when episodes nine and ten come out. But um, it was very um interesting to see that that dynamic between those two. Because something I always thought was funny is when they were video or recording of Jordan talking to Burel, he kept on always saying first and last name with it. And mm-hmm. his trash talk, something I noticed was a lot less attacking and much more playful with Burel, which is something. Do you guys know for sure? This is just something that come up. Do you think he did Jordan ever have those kind of players that he picked out and was like, I'm going to mentor you? Or was this kind of a first thing for him? This is just a group question. Do you guys have any knowledge of that? Because I thinking of Jordan, I can't think of him being a mentor. No, that's what I was that's what I was going to say, too. Like, I don't know for sure, but my speculation would be that he was much too inward thinking for that. And that's yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. But um, one thing, with that first retirement, so today people have the trend of, oh, my my play, favorite players leaving, just like up in their prime, a burn the jersey. Since Jordan up and left basketball in general at the time when he was in his prime, would you see fans burning the jerseys today there, Jade? Well, Jordan's was uh, when I think of burning jerseys, I'm thinking about LeBron in Cleveland, right? And yeah. I think that's a different situation because he he was the hometown boy. He was drafted there. He was supposed to do great things there, and then he left to go play somewhere else. I think that's different than Jordan leaving the game altogether because he he had still only ever played for that one team. So I think just that difference makes it unlikely that people are going to have that level of anger and vitriol over Jordan leaving. I'm also saying are people that were just fans of basketball because of Jordan, and then your favorite player is now gone. You're just like, well, what the heck? What about me? Since we people are always saying, what about me? What about me? Look at me. <laughs> I just thinking like if that was if. If Jordan would have pulled that move today, I it would think be, there would be... It would be different, but I think I think that has to do with the fact that we have social media now and NBA players are big on social media. I think that's the uh, thing that would change it more. 
I agree. <laughs> okay. That was just something I was thinking about, just because him just abruptly just being like, I'm done. And everyone's just like, wait, what? I'm just thinking, as a fan, you could were such a high of just constantly winning. You not being able to figure out, oh, well, what is this team going to look like next year? Well, I could see slight frustration from a fan base-wise. But at the same time, like, this is Jordan's decision with it. Looking at the documentary overall, though, I don't don't think it was as abrupt as it seems like it was. Like, there was a lot of, you know, he got talking a few episodes back. He was like, I'm so tired of being asked if I'm going to come back next season. Um, Like, it wasn't, I don't think, it, it, it feels like it was abrupt when you think of they just won a championship and he was still in his prime but really, in the whole context, it, I don't think it was as abrupt a decision. I think it was still surprising. But if you thought about all the coverage that had happened leading up to it, really, he had been hinting at it for a while. I think his trainer knew before anybody else did. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, well, yeah you're right. Um, I, one thing I like when they were talking about Jordan going back to practices, just showing up for fun. I liked uh, Steve Kerr saying there was a hope that was a vibe, a vibe of hope that was going through the locker room. Um, Jamal, as like, as you see Michael Jordan come back and you're in that Bulls locker room, like what's your first thought process of seeing that? Are you like, oh my gosh, he's coming back? Or are you still pretty skeptical and still kind of like oh he's just here like you're day four with him straight coming to practice like what's your mentality kind of going in from there well the mentality definitely changes because during that 95 season the bulls were barely over 500 i think like 34 and 31 so they were barely in the playoff chase so as an outsider looking in you're thinking the bulls they need like they need a a kickstart like an emotional lift so when he came back for those first couple of practices, the Bulls were like, okay, maybe if we can try to coax him to come back, maybe we can reignite his itch to come, uh, maybe give give us a, a lift. And lo and behold, he comes back, even though it took him a while to kind of get back into the swing of things because baseball training is a lot different than basketball training, as we saw in that episode. So when he came back, I think it was a very big lift for, for all of them even though it, the season didn't end the way they would have liked. But come on, the man was only back for like a couple of months, so you can't really yeah. expect him to drag that team all the way to the title, especially with the threats that were already in um, for both conferences because you had up coming Orlando. You still had to deal with the Knicks. Then next thing you know, all of a sudden here comes Indiana. And then that West, you got Utah, you got Houston. Sir Charles is still up there in Phoenix, and then you had the top C Spurs. So the Bulls... Had they had they um been able to get past Orlando, they still had a gauntlet they had to go through to get back to the finals. Um, one thing that I thought was funny, or at least I compared to, so he starts filming Space Jam in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how <laughs> they set up the entire court and gym for him on the entire workout facility, and then he starts bringing in players. And it reminds me of seeing those videos on YouTube or on Facebook or Twitter or stuff of like the Sky Lifetime videos where it's like 
just pretty much all a bunch of NBA players going in, just playing pickup games, calling their own yeah. fouls. So when I saw that, it kind of reminded me of that. Um, I did I laugh when could... George said I invited Sean Bradley too, and I was like, Sean Bradley, come on, nah. he's only there <laughs> in the movie. He's there in the movie. We don't need Sean Bradley there. I wish, had, I wish there had been more footage of those games. I, yes. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, I want to see Jordan and Reggie Miller going at it. Yeah. Because you know, at that time, like, who else besides Jordan, when it comes to two guards, who would have been second up in that era? It would have been either, it would have been Reggie Miller. You could have had Clyde Drexler. You could have had there's a there's a number of guys that people don't think of um, when it comes to that. Heck, as a matter of fact, I, I probably would have thrown Penny Hardaway in there, even though he most consider him a point. But of course, all his injuries and then the thing with Shaq in Orlando, it didn't pan out. Which speaking of that Orlando team losing or them losing to like, I thought it was funny how every player, because then like also BJ Armstrong, that game he goes off. Like every player that used to play with Michael. They knew, okay, I had a great game, or we beat him. Oh, he's gonna come back, and it's it gonna was, be even worse. Like, how do you mm-hmm. how do you mentally prepare yourself, knowing that? Oh, I did really well last night, or we did well last year. Ah, shit, he's mad now. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's one of the things I'm realizing I really dislike about Michael Jordan is the fact that. Somebody couldn't have a moment and and that was okay, right? Because everything was a personal attack on him. Like, yep. you expected guys to go out and give their best. But if they went out and did their best against you, then it was a whole thing instead of, like, I feel like basketball players today have more respect for each other. In, in kind of that way where, you know, you can go off on your old team or, or you can get, you can have a game of your career and that's okay. We're not going to try and kill you the next time we see you. We're going to play harder. We don't want it to happen <laughs> again. But, like, you, there's not a hit out on you <laughs> next well, time. Well, that I'm thinking also with go, going off of, like, being – respect well nowadays everyone is playing with each other from age 12 because of aau so that's why there is a little bit more of a respect and more of a camaraderie nowadays than there was like in the 90s and stuff so that's why there's a little bit of that change with it but and i found i found jordan to be a little bit hypocritical too when it came especially to bj armstrong because it's like you have a good game you talk shit you're you're looking at the bench like he's he's emulating Michael Jordan. He's doing exactly what he would have done. And that is like the biggest insult. Like they say flattery is the sincerest form of um his biggest crap. compliment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um imitation is the sincerest form of flattery is how it goes. There you right? go. Yeah. And that's what that's exactly what BJR Armstrong did and I really liked that you can still see the joy in his face about that game when he was talking about the interview like I just 
I just had a well, moment. He knew he wasn't as good. He knew that. Like he knew oh, yeah. who he like was. Like they were mentioning, it's the one game thing where like every player has that one game. And right. BJ Armstrong had that one game against his former team, against Michael Jordan. Yeah. And, and I think it I was just, more satisfying than it would have been against any other team. Oh yeah. Armstrong. And I just loved it where BJ Armstrong knew he's like, Yeah, I had a great game. And I knew that made him mad right away. Just like he didn't have to, Jordan didn't have to say anything. Off. He just knew walking off the court. Oh, shit. This is going to be. The, 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 the <laughs> of Jordan in the locker room swinging that bat and his demeanor and the look on his face is like. Smoking the cigar. Was, I found that really creepy. Like, this is a person that could lose his shit and, like, Harm somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're getting to the finals the next year. They beat Orlando because Horace Grant called it. Like he knew right away they're going to lose next year. Yeah. If Gary Payton would have guarded Michael Jordan the entire uh, series, uh, Jade, would it have been a little bit different? Like, I don't I, think, I like, think Payton's not going to stop him necessarily, no. but he's going to contain him. Right. The best. Right. And if you yeah. can just make it Jordan and then cut out everyone else, yeah. that is arguably the only, like the best game plan for Jordan is, Abs- okay, absolutely. we'll let you go off. No one else is going to do anything. I mean, it already had worked, right? That's how the bad boys beat them. You stop That's Jordan. That's how the Knicks beat them. You stop Jordan. I was thinking about it in terms of like that. To me, that is a large, very, very big coaching failure to not be able to see that that was the strategy. Like, I think a lot of today's coaches, and a lot of coaches back then would have made that adjustment before they got down 3 nothing. Like, No, yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, George Carl, like, yes, I get you're trying to save the guy for offense, but at the same time, what are you if you're stopping for? Jordan, <laughs> if you're stopping the Bulls from scoring, you don't need Peyton to score as much. Right. So... Because you and got, I think Peyton's biggest weapon in that series was his deep. It wasn't his offense. It yeah, had to be his defense when you've got Michael defense. Jordan on the other side of the floor. Like defensive player of the year, reigning defensive yeah. player of the year, and you're not putting him on Jordan. Yeah, Jamal is the the reason why Orlando won or uh, Seattle lost. Was that because of George Carl, or was that? The Bulls were going to win regardless. So the fan in me says the Bulls would have gone regardless of what Seattle would have done. But it would have been smart for George Carl to put Peyton on Jordan to start. Because at the very least, you're going to make Jordan have to play both ends of the floor. Which was yeah. which honestly what every coach should have been doing in the first place. So mm-hmm. to me, I think Pippen would have been... Um, Pippen and Kukoc would have been the biggest keys in that series because they know that um, Peyton's going to be guarding Jordan most of the time throughout the series. But that took me a surprise when he put Deflet Shrimp to start jo- to start on Jordan to start this series, which was not smart at all. Because no. come on, come on, Deflet Shrimp is not going to hold Michael Jordan. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I found it interesting too, Michael Jordan watching back Gary Payton's comments. Because that was rich. Again, I, I get that feeling of you have no awareness that you're just a dude still at the end of the day. Because mm-hmm. the footage and his play in that game 
says everything. Gary Payton did give him fits in that game. Like, you can't oh, say that, that, that Gary Payton had no effect on me. It was everything else. No, you're Michael Jordan. You're Mr. I bring it no matter what's going on, and I expect everybody else to do the same thing. And now you want to be like, oh, it wasn't Gary Payton that had other things going on? No, sir. I do not buy that. I don't either. Like, I just I keep on thinking, like, Jordan is always just like when someone has like stopped him or something like that, he's always like, No, they didn't. Like, no, they didn't. It's like, no, you can see this, like, you got mad. He got under your skin. Like, we see this. No, he didn't. What are you talking about? (laughs) You smacked the guy on the on camera. (laughs) You can't tell me he didn't get to you. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it affected your play, but you can't tell me with a straight face that that guy was not at least pissing you off. Even his body language and the way he laughed was not genuine. It it felt forced to me. Yep. Um, It was mocking to me. He was mocking Peyton. Oh, yeah. Um, One thing that I thought, or one of the things I thought was funny with Jordan, how eventually he just had to create his own stories on why to, like, attack a team. Um, Like, isn't that that was kind of what Pep Garnett as a player. He would you'd see him talking to himself on the court half the time is because he's making something up in his head to get yeah. himself motivated. Yeah. So that's when I'm like, that's a whole other mentality of like, okay, if I want to play good, well that guy over there, well he hit his dog the other day, and it's like <laughs> he doesn't even own a dog. Like <laughs> He's just coming up with his own thing. Be like, well, I, I heard that, he didn't I, wish his mother happy Mother's Day last year, and she cried. So because of that, I'm going to drop 45 points on you. <laughs> yeah, I found that also to be a bit creepy. Like, there's that's a bit that's a bit off. Like, there's there's a winning mentality, and then there's I got to make stuff up in my like. That's his winning men- His competitive mentality is also one of the things that makes him weird because it's so like he's got one of the most competitive spirits i've ever witnessed and whenever you see someone with that kind of level of a personality it's hard to not talk about it yeah i mean it was obviously it was effective but it was hella creepy sometimes oh yeah well oh god yes it was but i will i will say that um when you have that kind of mentality because you we and we see it all the time People use either social media or someone that the other player said in the locker room after a game. They're going to use that the next time around. So to me, um, Jordan, like he would use any little thing that he possibly could to get an edge in anything. Because honestly, that and at the end of the day, you're trying to win. So if you're not trying to win, you're, you're obviously you're not doing something right. True. Okay. Well. We got these two episodes broken down, so I think now we're going to do our segue into the fast break. Get those quick questions answered, and we'll call it a day. So, Jamal, first question for the fast break. Would you retire in your prime like Michael Jordan did? It depends on my mental state. If I'm mentally or emotionally tired... It may be time to go, but if I'm if I'm good in those two areas and I'm still physically fit and able to play, yes, I would like to continue. You want to play this game for as long as you can. Jade, what about I look at it? Jade, what about you? Would you retire yeah. in your prime like that? 
I feel like I wouldn't, but I have, I, I, I keep thinking back to, I think a lot about Jordan's upbringing and overall it seems kind of contradictory to the way he was as a person. He seemed to have a pretty happy, stable childhood. I mm-hmm. didn't. Um, and so I think if I had found something that I was that good at, that I was successful at, I think I would have been able to kind of muscle through it, whatever the other stuff that was going on. Okay. Okay, then. Um, okay, next question. Jade, which was weirder, Jordan wearing 45 or Rodman wearing any other odd team like San Antonio, Los Angeles, or Dallas? Oh, crap. <laughs> They're both really weird. They're both really weird. Um, I I have to, I think it's gonna be Rodman just because the fact that Jordan ever wore forty five is kind of like a footnote. Like I I, I don't really think Wait, about it. By the it. way, he changed forty five for like three months, and you realize right that. exactly. Whereas with Rodman, there were so many other teams after he left the Bulls. And he had his all of his iconic moments were with the pit, the Pistons and the Bulls. Those were the best years of his career. So I think for me, it's it's Rodman and the other. Did the other Rodman first. marry himself when he was with the Bulls, or was that after? Ooh, I don't know secret, that timeline exactly. Secret best break question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) I'm going to Google that while Jamal answers the next fast break. Okay, next question. Okay, you Google that, Jade. Um, Which title was more meaningful? The first title he had with his dad or the first title he had without his dad? Mm, I would say, yeah, that, that fourth one. That fourth one, it meant just a bit more because... Um, because as you know, when when they won that title against Seattle in '96, it was on Father's Day. So yep. you know that that had to mean a, something more to him, and especially with his three kids up there with his with his then wife in the stands, that meant a little bit more to him. Um, Jade, what what about? Cause, well, going back that second title, like when I saw him just sobbing on the ground at the end, I'm not gonna lie, Taylor started to cry there. Taylor started Aww. tearing up just seeing that raw. <laughs> When you hear the, and I was like, oh man, he's really crying right now. Like he can't breathe. A really strange moment for me because um, I usually feel everything everybody else feels around me all the time. I'm, I have very high empathy levels. And so usually seeing something like that would absolutely, I would be done. Like, but I also have very high judgment levels, um, like in my Myers-Briggs personality profile. So, like, the juxtaposition between him actually feeling and him being such an asshole kind of clashed for me in that moment because my one side really wanted to feel bad, and usually I would. If it had been anybody else, I would have. But the, all the other stuff and the decisions he made, I was just kind of like, I can't get all the way there with him. Like, I, I couldn't get all the way there. So that first title then meant more? Yeah. Okay. And Back to your Rodman question. Yeah, I was going to say, did we find an answer for that? It was 1996. So he was a bull when he married himself. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm 
your film was like fantastic. We just signed this guy, Jerry. You for God so save me. You better be right about this guy. <laughs> You better better be right, man. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Okay. Well, got the talk in. We got the fast break in. Um, Jamal, before we end off today, you got anything to plug right now? Got anything in the works going on? So, yes, I'm still working on the, um, the window of opportunity article I'm working on. It's if and when the season will come back. Who are the best teams who are equipped to win a title um, this year. So hopefully I'll be able to have that finish. Um, if not this weekend, but definitely some sometime early next week, because I think it's really going to highlight some of these high level teams that have the best chance to make it all the way and win the finals. So hopefully I'll have that finished. Okay, perfect. We'll hear that folks be on the lookout for that. Um, any other thing you got to add, uh, Jade today before we do a sign off? Just don't forget to tune in to Hardcore Honeys presents hashtag NBA Twitter every Thursday at 7. Uh, if you want to send us some tweets to discuss, use hashtag HCHBust, and uh, we might use your tweet live. If you tune in live on Periscope, you can ask us questions. We will answer them. Yes. Perfect. And then um, another mention, reminder, um, Listeners, if you know any woman that is uh, knowledgeable about basketball and they feel like they can chime in and give their hot take, um, please give us a heads up, give us a tweet, holler on, uh, um, give us an email. Is it what's the email again? Hardcourthoneys at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. So there we are. So, well, thanks for the week. Listen, means a lot. Okay, well, I'm going to sign off for this. Peace out.